You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Oh, man. Well, I, I just want to say this for us. <laughs> this is a disclaimer before I start this message. Um, so, uh, you know, I think so many, so many pastors, so many leaders, they get in this place where they're trying to preach the perfect message. Right, they're trying to make sure that it's you know it, it, you know it's exciting and it's motivating. It's all these things, but you know one of the things I've, I've been learning over the years, and one of the things I really took to heart uh, that Bill Johnson said a long time ago was, you know, when you go to prepare a message, you should prepare the message based on what is feeding you right now. Amen. And I think when we do that as pastors and leaders. We're, we're, actually, we're actually doing our congregations a favor because what ministers to me should be able to minister to you as well. And I need it more than anybody. And uh, typically, I have found out when you do that, God kind of resonates on it. It's, there's, there's a theme there. There's something that God is wanting to point out. And so I'm doing that today, and, and I, I, want, uh, you know, I want to try to communicate this as great as I can. But, you know, one of the things that God has been really talking to me about, I mean, it seems like the last couple months, Terry and I, we've, we've kind of gone through some rough patches. And, you know, one of the things that happens when you go through rough places in our lives, you can do two things, fight or flight, right? And he that is on the inside of you is greater than he that is in the world. Amen? And so we've got to remember that. And, you know, typically when we, when we come up against opposition, it's because God's getting ready to do something amazing in your life. And so we don't just, we just don't hide and pull back and run from it. We need to stand up. We need to stand firm and stand on God's word. Amen. And stand on the promises that he's given to us. And, um, one of the things that he's really been talking to me about, and you know, this makes sense because we have a church, is planning for the, planting for the future. Come on, planting for the future. And, it, and that doesn't just, you know, it doesn't just, it's not just for church, it's for our lives as well. God wants you to plant for your future. You know, how many, how many guys uh, in here love the movies? How many of you guys like the movies? Come on. Uh, one of my all-time favorite movies ever uh, is Gladiator. Man, Russell Crowe, that was one of his best roles. But I love the, the, the scene where he's about to go onto the battlefield, and he's called all of his troops together. And when he gets them all together, you know, he says, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Man, what a powerful statement. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And I think the enemy really tries to get us off, gets our, tries to get our eyes off of that, understanding that every, everything that we do is building for the future. And everything we do is going to leave an inheritance, whether it's a, a good inheritance, a good inheritance or a poor inheritance. So we need to understand that we need to be constantly in this place where we're planting for the future and that we understand that every step we take, every word that we speak, everything that we do matters. Yeah, it matters. It matters to God. It matters to the world around us. You know, Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good man, what, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. 
And, you know, I think, and I was talking to Terry about this this morning, you know, I think sometimes when we hear inheritance, we just automatically think money. But it's not just money. Inheritance can be an inheritance of faith. It could be an inheritance of uh, a good work ethic. It could be an inheritance of a great family. You know, all these things, that inheritance, it is so broad about, you know, what we do as individuals to build something that's going to last and that our kids and our spiritual sons and daughters are going to carry with them into this world, into their lives, and that it is going to echo through eternity what we have done. Amen? And, uh, you know, as followers of Christ and his ambassadors, we need to leave things better than we find them. Seriously. I mean, this is something that should be basic, you know, 101, but it's amazing to me how we, as things have progressed, uh, somehow some of these details have fallen on deaf ears with a lot of people, you know. And I've tried, me personally, I have tried to live my life by this principle. And, you know, I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes I've failed, but every time I did, it was a learning opportunity for me. Every single time it was a learning opportunity for me and, it, and for me to do it better. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I even got to a place with, you know, talking about leaving a place better than when you found it. And that can be in anything, whether it's your job or a home or, you know, house or, you know, whatever it is. But when we go on vacations, sometimes we'll rent, you know, VRBOs or whatever, and we'll go into the VRBO. And when we end up leaving the VRBO, I leave it as clean as it was when we got there which is just crazy. It's like this inside thing with me that just says, hey, you need to leave this place better than you found it. And I'm telling you, I don't think we've ever had a bad review on these VRBOs. Matter of fact, most of these people, they'll send us messages. Man, you guys left this place in immaculate shape. Thank you. And, uh, you know, that's a testimony. That's a testimony to who I serve. I serve Christ, and he expects me to leave things better than I found it. And, you know, sometimes it feels like, ah, uh, that's just a pain, you know, and somebody else is going to do it. You know, they do pay a cleaning service to come in and take care of it. But that's not the point. The point is, as we steward things and we serve in every capacity, we bring glory and we bring honor to the name of Christ. And I think it's really important in this season we are in, you know, um, uh, the Bible has a lot to say around these kin- kingdom principles by, by improving every environment that you are part of. Every meeting you attend, every house you live in, every ministry you are part of, and every relationship you have. You know, how we steward these environments is a really big deal to God because God rewards faithfulness. He just, He does. He rewards faithfulness, and it prepares you for what's coming in the future. And um, I I love some of these verses. Uh, You know, a good steward is trustworthy. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2 says this. This is how one uh, should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now... When I saw that, it said, stewards of the mysteries of God. Here's the interesting thing about that. You know, if we don't steward this word, and we don't put it into practice in our own lives, he's not going to entrust us to the greater and the deeper and the mysteries of, of what he's trying to show us. Why? Because we haven't even... 
we haven't even done the things that he's told us to do and steward the, the easy things. And if some of you are in here and you're saying, man, I want to know the deeper mysteries of God, you can know the deeper mysteries of God. And you know how that is done? It, it, it comes through stewarding his word really well. It does. Paul said, and I love, uh, Paul said this, actually he was in Colossians. He said, uh, Colossians 1, 25 and 26. He said, these mysteries are not understood by all. They have been hidden from the ages and from the generations. But now, everybody say, but now. But now has been revealed to his saints through Christ Jesus. Amen. It's been revealed to you because you're a saint, because you were a son, you were a daughter. It is there for you to see. It is there for you to know the mysteries of the, of the gospel, for you to know the mysteries of the Bible, to know the mysteries of who God is because you were a son and you were a daughter. A, a good faithful steward is faithful regardless of the size of the job he or she has been given. Luke 6.10 says, One who is faithful in little is also faithful in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will trust you to true riches? That's, that's, that's a big one. And um, here's another one. I love this one. A faithful steward also remembers that ultimately when we work for God, everything belongs to him. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your re reward. So this is a big one, especially in, 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 in the workplace. And I think all of us have been here to understand that the jobs that we have, whether it's in ministry or it's in the secular, it, it doesn't really matter because our responsibility as sons and daughters and as, as Christians is to do our jobs to the best of our ability to bring glory to God, to bring glory to Christ. And this is a tough one because when we're talking about planting for the future, if we don't understand how to steward the little things, we're not going to be able to steward the bigger things. And, you know, I've been here. I've, I've actually had to learn through this process where I've been in a job and I've been mistreated at a job or I haven't liked my boss that much or things have happened and I didn't feel like, I felt like I was justified not to give 100% because I was being mistreated or I wasn't getting everything that I wanted. <laughs> Am I the only one time? Who's been there? Come on, everybody better have their hands up in this room. Come on. Okay, some of you guys need to repent after the service. Um, listen, it's, it's, it's real. It's true, man. We, we, we've all been in this place. I mean, I'll just say something. My wife, she's worked in the education field. She worked in the education field for 32 years. Do you know how many different leaders and principals that she served during that time? Probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 different ones. Do you know every single one of those leaders were different? And every single one of them had a different idea of what leadership looked like in that school. Well, my wife had the ability, she didn't know I was going to say this, but she had the ability to either come alongside that leader and strengthen that leader no matter whether they agreed, whether she agreed with them or not. Why? She knew that her job was, she was to do her job as unto the Lord. 
And I'm going to tell you something. I watched her for 32 years. I'm saying this as a testimony. I watched her for 32 years. And you know, our wives come home or our husbands come home and they, they tell about their jobs and we get to hear about it. But I got to hear the negatives, but I got to hear the positives. But then I, get, I got to watch her model Christ so well in, in the professional environment. And every time she did it, and every time she came, she was submitted and she went back with a good attitude and she did her job as unto the Lord, God honored her. And he favored her. I mean, above all others. Above all others. And I watched that in her life, and I was like, man, this is, uh, that is amazing. It is an inspiration to me. I mean, even 10 years ago for me, you know, we should all be learning continually. Do you realize that? None of us get to an age that we stop learning. You stop learning, and you stop growing. And I don't ever want to be that guy. You know, I want, to be, I want to be old, really old, and still learning, and still learning new things. And I remember 10 years ago, I had an opportunity to get really disgruntled about a certain job. And I, I felt like, you know, hey, this isn't fair. These things are happening. And um, the Lord really led me to a place where he said, well, you can quit if you want to. And I'm like, I can? And he's like, yeah, you can. He goes, but I don't want you to. And I go, dad, you know, I was like a five-year-old. I started throwing stuff on the ground, yelling. I mean, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I was mad. I'm like, why, why, why? Why would you put me through this? Da, 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 da. And uh, basically the Lord was just like, because I have some things I still want to show you and teach you. So you have a choice. You have a choice to stay and obey me and honor me, or you have a choice that you can turn and run, and you're going to have to learn this again. So all those moments led me to, that, to this opportunity, to lean in and do it as unto God. And when I made that decision to do that, and I said, God, I'm going to honor what you just said, I'm going to honor my leadership, and I'm going to honor the things that you're doing here. As soon as I did that, all that hurt, all that anger, all that dissatisfaction that was attached to those thoughts, they left immediately. Maybe, maybe, that's, just, maybe that's just a, you know, that's a pointer for you guys. You know, if, you know, it was for me. Like, when you totally give it over to the Lord, he'll, he'll clean it up like you're not serving that person, you're serving him. And you, all of a sudden, he gives you this renewed strength to do the right thing. And to continue to plant, to continue to build. And, you know, we, we, look at, we look at other people that had all these opportunities. You know, Noah was called to steward the animals and the people that God wanted to save from the great flood. You know, he had an opportunity to think, hey man, this is, this is not fulfilling what... This is not fulfilling me in, in, in my life. I mean, he, he's trying to save people, and I know they're in the ark, but this guy is literally shoveling poop in, in an ark. We, we just came back from Kentucky and went to the ark experience. That place was massive. Massive. You guys all need to go do it. Anybody been to the ark in Kentucky? Oh, just one. Man, you guys need to go. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Uh, just so you can see how much poop he had to shovel. But, you know, he didn't complain. He did it. He kept going after it. Because why? He knew he was planting for the future by shoveling poop. 
Uh, Abraham was a steward of the promise to create a great nation and out of a wandering people, a nation that later became Israel. Moses faithfully stewarded the children of Israel, serving as their guide from, from the Egyptian bondage and throughout the 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. Don't you know Moses got tired of dealing with the same issues and the same problems with, with the same people? He really did. Matter of fact, he got, he got tired of it. But you know what? His patience, man, was supernatural. Because there was a couple times God was like, hey, man, get out of the way. I'm going to destroy them all because I've lost my patience with them. And Moses is like, no, 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 man. You don't want to do that. You, you don't want to do that. And he, he, was, he was interceding for the people to God. Hey, it's in the Bible. Go read it. And he's like, God, don't do this thing because then all the enemies are going to say, you're, you're not a good God. And that's, that's who you are. You're a good God. And so Moses interceded for him. Y'all knew that, right? I mean, that's pretty cool. Why is he cool? <laughs> because Moses understood that he was planting something for the future. It isn't ever just about you. Okay? It's never just about you. It is about the people around you. The people that God has brought into your life. You were brought onto this planet, into this world, for a purpose, a divine purpose. To leave a legacy to the people around you. Amen? Here's another one. Joseph served as a steward in Potiphar's household. Even after he got accused, he was still faithful. He later acted as a steward while he was in prison, serving the needs of prisoners. Joseph also served uh, as a steward under Pharaoh, becoming second in command, taking care of all the needs of the Egyptians and the people in the surrounding areas. And because of that, not only did he save the Egyptians, he, he saved an entire nation and he saved, he saved the nation of Israel. I mean, just amazing how he stewarded that and he took care of that. You know, the disciples served as faithful stewards, teaching the word of God and spreading the gospel throughout the world that they had access to. And it's because of them that we all are benefiting from this Bible and from the benefits of them stewarding this thing really, really well. You know, we're, we are called to leave an, inherit, an inheritance of better things uh, to all those who come after us. And uh, Zechariah 4.10, uh, Paul encourages us. Uh, he says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. This is, this is important. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Why? Because if, if you look past the day of small beginnings, you're not going to see the amazing and the miraculous things that God's wanting to do in you. And through you. Because it's in that process, in those times of small beginnings, that he's preparing the great things. And, you know, so many of us have a hard time with that because it's so easy. Uh, it's, we get so desperate sometimes to want to see the manifestation of greatness or the success right now. And that we become blind to what he's really trying to do with us right at this moment. And we don't see it. We don't see that it's the preparation. It's the thing that's going to make us be able to sustain the greatness that he's sending. 
And, and that's going to happen in that. And when we don't steward small beginnings well, you know, we, we fall into this place of destination disease. You know what destination, destination disease is? It's like, when I get to that place, then everything's going to be great. When that happens. And what happens if that doesn't happen? You know, when you do that, you're overlooking what God is trying to teach you right at this moment. And, you know, I've, I've seen it happen in ministry. I've seen it happen in jobs uh, where people walk in and they're like, well, I refuse to lower myself to that standard because I'm greater than this. Well, we understand that. And I agree with you that you're, you're a great individual. But guess what? Uh, you don't get to bypass the process. And we, and we all have to go through that process. Why? Because it's a training ground. It's your launching pad to success. It's your launching pad to your destiny. It's good. It's good. When, when, so we, we, we've got to understand that, you know, when we start out, we, we, we start out as babies. Everybody started out as a baby. You know, you can't, a baby doesn't come out and then just immediately start running. No, what do they do? They come out, they learn how to crawl, then they learn how to walk. Once they start learning to walk, get, get out of the way, because then what do they start doing? They start running. So there's, there's a process there of, you know, crawling, walking, and running. And so we've got to understand that God has that process there to grow us and to mature us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some stories to you, because I think these are just really encouraging. And it's always great to see what God is doing in other people's lives. And we can glean from uh, so many of these stories. So I'm going to read you a couple stories. So uh, let's see, I, I, I think his first name was, uh, I'm just going to say Danny. Danny Sanders was born in 1890 in Henryville, Indiana. This story is amazing. When he was six years old, his father passed away leaving him to cook and care for his siblings. In the seventh grade, he dropped out of school, left home to go work as a farmhand, already turning into a tough cookie. <laughs> At 16, he faked his age to enlist to the United States Army. After being honorably discharged one year later, he got hired by the railway as a laborer. However, he got fired for fighting with a co-worker. While he worked for the railway, he studied law until he ruined his legal career by getting into another fight. This guy, he's persevering, isn't he? And uh, it says he was forced to move back with his mom and get a job selling life insurance. And guess what? He got fired for insubordination. <laughs> but it said this guy wouldn't give up. In 1920... He founded a ferry boat company. Later, he tried cashing his ferry boat company in um, to create a business uh, with lamp manufacturing company, only to find out that another company had already sold a better version of his lamp. Poor guy couldn't catch a break. It wasn't until the age of 40 that he began selling chicken dishes in a service station. As he began to advertise his food, an argument with a competitor, competitor guess what, resulted in a deadly shootout. Wow. Four years later, he bought a motel which burned to the ground along with his restaurant. Man. 
Yet, he, yet this determined man rebuilt and ran a new motel until World War II forced him to close it down. So following the war, he tried to franchise his restaurant. His recipe was rejected, get this, a thousand and nine times before anyone accepted it. Sanders' secret recipe was coined, you guessed it, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and quickly became a hit. However, the, boy, here we go. However, the booming restaurant was crippled when an interstate opened nearby, so Sanders sold it and pursued his dream of spreading KFC franchises and hiring uh, KFC workers all across the country. After years of failures and misfortune, San Sanders finally hit it big. KFC expanded internationally, and he sold the company for $2 million, which today would e equ uh, be equivalent to $15.3 million today. Even today, Sander remain, Sanders remains in central in KFC's branding, and his face still appears uh, on their logo, you know, his goatee, white suit, the whole thing. It said at age 90, Sanders passed away from pneumonia, and at that time, there, there were around 6,000 locations in 48 countries. Isn't that incredible? I mean, we're talking about perseverance. We're talking about not despising small beginnings. We're talking about planting for the future. And you know, some of the hardest things that we're going to ever run into is that when we are planning for the future, when we are trying to create an environment that's, it, it, that's better than what we found it, there's going to be setbacks. There's going to be, there's going to be issues sometimes. There are going to be obstacles. And I just want to encourage all of us that we, we need to understand that those things, are, those things are the things that bring you character. They're the things that build you and prepare you for what ultimately you're going to be able to hold and run with and, and do a really great job for God with. And just, I, I love that story because, I mean, I mean, I think the average person would have just quit. They would have just quit and said, I give up. Okay, I'm going to read you another one. Thomas Anderson, okay, I'm, we all know who he is. He invented or, or perfected the electric light bulb, the telegraph, and the early motion pitch, picture camera. He's famous for being a hard-nosed and occasionally unscrupulous businessman as he was for being an inventor. Edison held over a thousand, pat, over a thousand patents in his lifetime. And, and, and it's not bad for a guy that was once described, it's not bad for a guy who was once described as uh, too stupid to learn. That's what his teachers said about him. He was too stupid to learn. Isn't that incredible? Man, somebody got it wrong. Therefore, he, start, he, he started educating at home. Edison started his first uh, entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial venture at 12. Oh, wow. Selling newspapers on Grand Trunk Railroad. I want to say Grand Funk Railroad every time I see that. I'm sure it was funky. Yeah. Later, he founded his newspaper and sold it to passengers until his impromptu lab in a baggage car caught fire, resulting in him losing access to the trains. He continued to sell papers at the station. It says later, as an employee of Western Union, he, he multitasked again, and it cost him his job. Uh, Edison's greatest failures, though, were seeds of success. After trying out a 1,000 prototypes... Before landing on a working design for the electric light bulb, Edison was asked by a reporter, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? <laughs> 
Edison replied, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. Yeah, I love that. You, you know, he's taken something that could have been something that would have just totally derailed him, and he's turned it into something that's positive. And, um, you know, God, you know, this is the thing that is so beautiful. God can do more with your mistakes than he can with your perfections. Do you know that? We, we, we get hung up and we think our mistakes is a bad thing. But it's not because those mistakes become learning tools in our lives. And God turns them in to something that is absolutely victorious in our life. You know, every great revival started with tiny choices. Every powerful church began as a small group of people pursuing God. Just think about that. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Every successful endeavor started out as an idea. Started out as an idea. You know, and, and those that walk in a victorious mindset, they live in this tension, okay? It's a tension between dissatisfaction and faith. And the dissatisfaction really comes in, uh, you know, it comes in when we know that we are not experiencing everything that Jesus has promised. How many of you have ever been there? Like, I know this is bigger. I know it's better. Why isn't it happening right now? Why isn't it happening? And, you know, faith comes into play when we know that we are improving things by building and by leaving an inheritance so that our children, both natural and spiritual, can bring God's truths and experiences to full mature, maturity. You know, great things are birthed from, from small beginnings and often w with, with struggles. And we, we just have to understand that God has built us to be able to run this race and to win. He really has. He's built you to run the race and win. I just want to encourage you guys in here. If you're, you're in a place where you're, you're struggling and you're struggling with your business or you're struggling with something that's, you know, really close to you right now and you're not seeing a lot of movement, don't give up. Keep going after it. I, like I want to point out, Brian and Lindsay Cohen, wave at me, Lindsay. They have a photography business. They have been going at this for how many years? 17, 17 years. And in that 17 years, probably within the last three to four years, they have been seeing massive breakthrough. Come on. Woohoo! Come on, Brian. Yeah. And, and they haven't given up. They haven't given up. And because they haven't given up, God's going to reward that, that persistence and that diligence. Proud of you guys. Seriously. It's amazing to watch you guys. I love watching you on Facebook and Instagram because you just keep going after it. And... Uh, that's what God wants all of us to do. He wants us to keep going after it. Uh, I, I was having dinner with Sean Towery and L'Oreal the other day. I don't see L'Oreal. She's not here today, but it's okay. You're, you're holding the fort down. And uh, Sean, was, Sean and L'Oreal were telling us about a story about, uh, you know, Sean's an entrepreneur at heart, and he loves, he loves creating new things and going after things. And uh, probably about four or five years ago, they were in a, in a, in a place. Is it okay if I share this? Okay. I didn't ask you before I did this, but it's like, Sean's like, I don't want you telling my personal stuff. Um, but they were in a place and they were struggling, struggling financially, struggling with a lot of things. And, um, you know, I think Sean was at a point where he's like, man, I'd, I'd really rather just go after some things that are in my heart and, uh, and, and not do my job anymore. And, and uh, you know, of course, that's, that's a big step of faith. I mean, it's a huge step of faith. And then some things happen and then God just came in and just made a way where there was no way 
absolutely made a way where there was no way. And Sean jumped out, L'Oreal jumped out, and now he's an entrepreneur and he's been going after it and he's doing really, really well. He's got a, a great investment in a, in a great company and uh, it's, it's been because you've just kept pursuing it and you didn't give up and you trusted God. And that's, that's beautiful. It's an encouragement. Uh, and what you're doing is you're leaving a legacy and an inheritance, both of you guys, Lindsay and Brian and, and you and your wife, you're leaving a legacy for your kids to see that determination and a no-quit attitude is going to pay off. And uh, you girls remember that because your mom and dad are doing a great job of doing it. Yeah, amen, I agree with that. Same with Brian and Lindsay. But, you know, let's look at some, let me see what time it is. Okay, yeah, i got to wrap it up. I just, I get caught up in these stories. Let's look at some lies to overcome. These are, these are pretty, you know, and if you want to do the Steve Backlund thing, if you want to laugh at the lie after I tell it, you should. You can do it on the inside or you can do it on the outside. I don't care how you do it. But lies are lies and you need to recognize them as lies because if you don't recognize them as lies, they, they take up uh, residency in our, in our house. Inside here, this is your house. They take up residency in your house. And what that's going to do is keep you from believing God's promises and moving forward. Amen? So here's the first one. I should not believe I am doing something significant until it looks significant. Come on, you laugh at it. That's good. Noah was a failure until the flood validated his art ministry. <laughs> that's funny. The fruit that is produced in my life will not influence future generations. <laughs> we, could, we can change that immediately. I should feel bad about myself if what I am doing does not seem important. Man, the young guys are weak on that one. Listen, how many, how many times do you know you're doing things that don't look important, but they're huge in the part of your process of becoming who God's creating you to be. And if you skip those steps, you're going to have to repeat them. You, you will. You'll just have to repeat them. Uh, big and great things don't start at seemingly small ideas. They always start big and great. That's right. That is laughable. They always start small, and then they, they bloom and they build into something bigger. So let's do this. I want everybody to stand up. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to make some declarations because I think it's really important that we understand that our words create our reality. You know that? Your words create your reality. You are the prophet of your own life. The, what is prophecy for? It's to build up, exhort, and encourage. And when you're not doing that in your own life and you're not exhorting yourself and you're not building yourself up, what's going to happen? You're going to open yourself up to the enemy and you're going to become massively depressed. And you're going to become, you're going to get in a place where you don't think you can do anything. And that's not the God that you serve. That's not who is on the inside of you. Period. So let's make these declarations. I'm going I'm to say it and then you just repeat it. I bless and I improve. Every environment I'm a part of. I attach great faith to every responsibility that I have. Meeting I attend 
or action I take. I have a unique ability to inspire others to do small things in a great way. I am leaving a natural and a spiritual inheritance to my children's children. Amen. Do you guys believe that?